Hello, all you wonderful people, and thank you for listening to It's Just Another Review Cast. I am one of your hosts, Anne. And I'm Robert. Today we will be talking about the movie The Silence of the Lambs. So, when you think of the movie, Anne, what's the first quote or scene that comes to your mind? Mm, my favorite one would probably have to be, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Why is that? It's one of the first iconic lines Anthony Hopkins says, and we get the first view kind of idea of Dr. Lecter. But isn't he also a psychopath? Um, debatable, actually. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> um, there's been a lot of talk about what Hannibal Lecter is, and we can definitely get into that. Um, <laughs> his profile is very unusual because he is an amalgamation of so many people. As a fictional character, is he an ag- a, a, a mixture of all these real-life yes. characters as a fictional character? Yes. But as a character, he's described as a psychopath, though. No, he is not. Yes, he is, by his do- by a psychiatric, psychiatric doctor. By the he, annoying Dr. Chilton, yes, yes. who knows nothing. But he was still described as, as a uh, psychopath. <laughs> yes, but he's annoying, and <laughs> not many people listen to him, and even Dr. Lecter, after being found out who he was, is able to debunk a lot of what Chilton says. I like what? His paperwork on Hannibal Lecter, he was able to write in and write his own paperwork debunking the fact that he was insane. But that wasn't in the movie. I know. <laughs> and that is why we are here. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, <clears throat> my favorite uh, quote actually was the whole, it puts the notion on its skin or it gets the hose again. Ah, yes, the quote that makes me never be able to look at hand lotion or any lotion the same ever again. But it's so erotic. (laughs) 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 The words Buffalo Bill and erotic to me are things I never thought I would hear. (laughs) Well, considering everything, (laughs) speaking of Buffalo Bill, though, doing a little bit of background into him, found out that the main character that he was... or. him as a character was based off of a real person called Edward Theodore Gein. Gein? Gein. Gein. Ed Gein. (laughs) Ed Gein. And he was a real-life serial killer, or what they can... I don't think he was personally classified as a serial killer because he only actually had two kills on his belt. Because uh, he was... He also had a lot of female nipples on his belt, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that further on with this history. <laughs> but uh, he was born in 1906 in Wisconsin. Um, he had a very abusive family, uh, unfortunately. His uh, father was drunk. His mother was a very strict religious person and would, t- and would verbally harass him and all that with him with that. He also had a brother called Henry. Um, I think if I remember right, he killed his brother, Henry? Well, that was never proven. Um, later on, his father died of, um, I can't remember if it was alcohol abuse, or or he died of alcohol-related causes, I think. I didn't really go deep into it. Um, but after his death, his mother got even more criticizing, uh, more religious, fanatical, I guess, Mm-hmm. And uh, his brother Henry started to uh, 
criticized his mom about it, which uh, Edward did not like at all because he was very much, well, a mama's boy. And uh, in uh, 1944, he was found dead or in a uh, in their uh, hayfield or field. It was also on fire with a head wound. Uh, it was ruled accidental. They couldn't prove that Edward did it or whatnot. Yeah, just my personal opinion with the head wound, I would say it was Ed Geaton. But yeah. that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, considering that he was a mom's boy and oh, and his brother started going back talking to mom, he just didn't like it. Yep. Uh, but toward 1945, his mom died of a series of strokes. And that left him alone, basically, with no anchor to keep him, well, sane, I guess. Mm-hmm. So over the years, he uh, started dig digging up bodies, including his mom's. Yeah. <laughs> Way to stay close. Yeah. Very Norman Bates. Yeah. So, back in 1951, he uh, met a uh, local tavern or owner called uh, Murray Hogan in 1954 and I guess he fa he fixated on her is the best term mm -hmm. and in 1954 Mary was found dead in her bar room with a 22 uh, right or with a 22 uh, shell casing and on the uh, floor in the bar room uh, and then in May of 1957, there was a Bernice Warden, Warden, I think, Warden that went missing. The next day, they did find her in his house, headless, upside down, and filled dressed like a deer. Yikes! Yeah, I know. Hmm. Reminds me of another case that shows up later on in the Thomas Harris stuff, actually. Yeah. But. He was obviously arrested for that, and then uh, he, a couple of years he was finally uh, pronounced uh, fit to stand trial because of his mental instab instability. Mm -hmm. That was a tongue twister. And uh, found guilty, and he was uh, eventually died in prison of old age or respiratory failure in 1984. Okay. But in his little house of horrors, the police uh, end up finding uh, skulls on his bedpost, furniture, basically a couch, and a lampshade made of human flesh. They also found uh, masks and, a, and a, a variety of masks and a full bodysuit, also f fashioned from his victim's skins. Wow. I also remember reading about nine vulva in a shoebox. I always remember the really weird ones. Yeah, but the article, I, I didn't really dig too much into it because I know you're the book smart one. I <laughs> <laughs> already did a lot of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, um, this lady has a very fascination about serial killers. I do. I've done a lot of re reading on them. I've been fascinating needed with them for most of my life. 
A lot of my information I get from John Douglas's Mindhunter book, actually, highly recommend. And speaking of John Douglas, he is actually the inspiration for the character of Jack Crawford in both the book and movie Silence of the Lambs. Okay. I still don't know who this guy is, though. <laughs> He's the one that recruits Clarice to go talk to. Yeah, I know, I know who the character is. I just don't know who, who the actual person, the real-life person. And don't know anything about that guy. Okay. Um, there's now a TV show on Netflix called Mindhunter that's all about what he did and is heavily based on the book that I read. I have not seen it yet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Also, uh... Gian has a list of fictional characters that are also based off of him. A uh, few, few well-known ones is uh, Norman Bates off of Psycho, Leatherface off of Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill, of course. See, uh, I never realized that Leatherface was based off of him. That one's new to me. I think it's the whole skin thing. Probably. It makes sense. Yeah, because, uh, and Buffalo was, in fact, a a mixture of several different real-life serial killers is that his main fetish the whole skin suit thing was was his main one and that was a, a whole uh, Gian thing yeah um Ted Bundy is another one he was inspired by Ted Bundy would always pretend to be injured to try to get women to help him before abducting them um, Gary Heidnick is another not quite as well-known one. He threw a lot of women down into a pit the way Buffalo Bill kept Catherine Martin. Um, and Jerry Brudos, the shoe fetish killer, is um, another one who ironically was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So... Anyways, <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> shoe fetish, shoebox thing, what... what... I meant to say Webster, South Dakota, and, um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm still trying to fi- understand that one. I have yet to figure that one yeah. out. I think it's the whole dressing up in the clothing, in women's clothing, the way Buffalo Bill did, which is what he was trying to do. Um, he wanted to be the women <laughs> he was hurting. Okay. Anything else on Buffalo? Um, no, that's about it on Buffalo Bill. Okay. Well, starting to get into the movie uh, Silence of the Lamb, though, in the beginning, you, you see Clarice out on an empty uh, obstacle course, training or trying to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. It also seems like she's driven and trying to, that, trying to prove to herself and to the uh, other people that I'm doing this extra training so I can be better than you guys almost um it's more uh, it's the 1980s so it's the whole woman trying to survive in a man's world oh yeah you have to train extra hard or do all this stuff so you can keep up to their strength level and a lot of stuff like that they were trying to portray the fight that she has to go through oh i know that you see that a lot throughout this whole movie about how she's in a male-dominated world and even when when uh, Doctor, uh, not Doctor Chin, uh, her uh, supervisor, Jack Crawford, Jack Crawford calls calls her into the uh, office when she's going in the elevator. You can see all the all the trainers just towering above her <laughs> in, in the elevator. Yeah, 
and they're all just standing there all macho like uh, and she's just kind of hi basically how i feel 24 7. Eh, just because you're short <laughs> i am <laughs> very <laughs> but back to the psychopath thing real quick what is a psychopath a psychopath is someone who cannot understand the difference between right and wrong. Um, cannot understand, or they do understand it, but they just don't care. I think that one is sociopath. Okay. Um, it's a very fine line, and it changes a lot. So a lot of my material can come from a decade or so ago. Because <laughs> that's when a lot of my books come from. Um, a psychopath it has a harder time blending with normal society and pretending to be normal. Whereas a sociopath is capable of faking emotions or and whatnot and reading the room to kind of pretend to be normal. Um, Dr. Lecter is capable of doing that. He is capable of seeming to have human emotion and whether or not he has the normal range of emotion is very debatable which mm -hmm. is why sociopath or psychopath are debated when it comes to dr lecter mm. okay so <clears throat> they need i guess uh jack needs clarice to go talk to Hannibal to help get a handle on this Buffalo Bill character, or case. Correct? Um, yes. That is his intention of sending her in there, but he does not tell her that was the intention. Yeah. That, because yeah. otherwise Hannibal will read that off of her immediately and shut down, basically. Because he's a psychiatrist also. Yep. And he knows how to read people. Oh, yeah. Okay, so she gets her orders, and she goes to the insane asylum, meets Dr. Chilton. Dr. Chilton is, uh, well, a womanizer first off, because I've, he tried hitting on her almost right away and talking down to her. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Dr. Chilton. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dr. Chilton. No one really liked him. He thinks he's better than everybody. He thinks he knows more than everybody. And he doesn't want the uh, FBI to come in and take away his prize specimen. Basically, he also wants notoriety, which he keeps failing to get. Mm. Okay. So, she goes to see Lecter, finally. She gets all these warnings, stay away from the glass, don't accept anything, don't give them anything basically metal or pointy. Mm-hmm. So, she just goes there to do the whole questionnaire thing, I guess, and she ends up playing to his ego with the, on the first meeting with the teacher-student relationship, like she's trying to learn something from him and everything else, and he's the teacher. That's what I got from it. Yeah, she did pretty good trying to play into him. I think, and read them and play into it. At the same point, Lecter wasn't fooled at all. No, but she is still a student. Yes. And it's not very easy. Not very many people can fool Dr. Lecter. Well, yeah. 
She would. I, I know. <laughs> there is one out there. <laughs> yes. Small thing. And eventually, uh, toward the end uh, of the first meeting, Elector got angry at her and started really ripping into her with a uh, southern accent suddenly because, <clears throat> sorry, she he caught that she was trying to hide her southern accent and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really catch that one, actually, that change of accent. You didn't? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> as many times as I see this movie, I still find, there's still new things I always find in it. Well, yeah, he went to a really, the, the West, the Virginia accents, he, he, he flowed into it, it started off real soft in the beginning, then it got more strongly pronounced as he was ripping more and more into her, uh, dissecting her life, wondering if um, his, her daddy was a coal miner and died of, of basically black lung mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. When in case, when in actuality, her dad was a, a sheriff in a small town and end up dying on, on duty, basically. Yep. In the book, he was actually um, a security guard that walked into a robbery and ended up getting killed that way, um, basically because he wasn't paying attention, ironically, to his sides, like they show Clarice failing to do in the training videos in the Well, it wasn't movie. the side, it was the corner that was behind her. Yeah. She should have cleared the corner when she entered the room. Mm -hmm. Like you're supposed to, and then f and focus on the uh, bad guys in front of her okay. at the same point. Okay. Okay, so after that scene, basically, there's a 30, 45 minutes of movie, whatnot, and through all that, it was more like Agent Crawford doesn't want her fully in on the case. And it was ex excluding her with a uh, meeting from a sheriff because of sex crimes that he wanted to discuss with the sheriff alone. It's like he, he wanted, didn't want her to get any credit of any breaks that were coming up in the case with this dead body that they found in the river. And that was my impression. It's like the boy should handle this. The women should just stay away. I always thought of it as some sort of test he was trying to give her. That's how it always felt to me. No, like, it, to see her reaction on being treated this way, because she is going to get treated this way by various other people. And it's not a... I don't think of it as a test. I think of it as that's how the culture was back in the 80s. It's like, the girls should go over here and let the boys talk, and let the men talk. Okay. That, that's how it felt to me. Okay. Because they didn't want to hurt her sensibilities, talking about whatever sex crimes they were, if that was even the case that they wanted to talk about. Yeah, because I can't remember if there was ever any mention of sex crime involved in it. I don't think there was. It was. It was? Because he, when he talked to the sheriff, to want, said, said that he wanted to talk to the sheriff privately about these mm -hmm. sex crimes. He kind of whispered it. Okay. And giving Clarice a little side eye about it. Yeah. But during their little meeting, it seemed like uh, there was a flashback scene of basically Clarice crashing the funeral. She went in as 
there was a funeral also going on and in the funeral home there at and uh, she crashed the funeral in her in this flashback scene and uh, she went in as an adult but when she got up to the casket she was a kid and ended up being her dad so there's some pretty traumatizing stuff going on at this point too yeah I mean, if that's the first funeral you really are at after you see one of a parent, it can be pretty traumatic, bring back a lot of bad memories. So I kind of understood that one. So anything else you um, The moth in the mouth that we next find the moth in the mouth. Let's try saying that one. Soft palate, actually. Soft palate. Okay. <laughs> that'd that, probably be easier than moth in the mouth yeah that's what they described it as so this moth cocoon they, or, or the cocoon yeah that they found and ends up being a death heads moth and they're normally only found in Asia and um, I guess you need uh, from what the movie says you need honey and nightshade for them to to actually feed off of. What's up with the nightshade? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Is that why they call it death head moth? That, I was just thinking that. That's probably why. Well, that and they supposedly got what, look, what looks like a skull marking on their back between their wings. Yeah. Oh, well. But um, they're a pretty big moth from my understand, and a lot of people like them just because of the symbol that they represent death because mm-hmm. of the whole skull on the back. Um, I think you can actually get one at that store here in town, and if I remember right when we saw it, it was like about, um, oh yeah, because nobody else can see me holding yeah. my hands up. Um, it was only maybe four inches. Okay, thank you. Four to five inches. But it was in a little uh, bird cage decorated with other stuff inside of it with the death head, with a uh, pin death head moth in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was already dead. Um, and what's up with all these mannequins you see in horror movies? You know, I don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of mannequins in horror movies. It's like I'm looking at all these mannequins. It's like, where do they get all these mannequins? Even nowadays, they cost a couple hundred dollars. It's like, who has a couple hundred dollars to spend on these mannequins when they already look like everybody's dirt poor? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like mannequins because they're in, like, every horror movie. Every horror movie? We need to fill this corner. Put a mannequin there. No shit. Anyways. Okay. Well, after all this, finding, doing research into her death head moth and everything, she gets hit on again by one of the uh, student, professor, whatever... Ace. Bug people. Yeah. <laughs> I call them bug in- experts. Yeah, one of the two bug Entomologists, experts. I guess that would be the right word. Ended up hitting on her. So, again, more male chauvinist stuff going on. Except at the end of the book, she actually is dating that one. Oh, she So, is. she really does actually kind of like that one. Oh. So, there is something there. Okay. So. But after all that, she goes back for another meeting with Lecter. And they get into the whole quid pro quo thing. Ah, yes. Answer my question, I answer yours. Yep. 
And so this is where the story basically comes out about her dad's death. And her tragic past and all this other stuff. And he gives her a little bit more information on Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Now, she had already found the um, Ms. Moffat or that garage. Yeah, that's where right. all the mannequins were basically. Yeah, and the, and the head of Benjamin Raspell. Which they found another, eventually found another death head mop in there, too. Yep. Now, who's Benjamin Raspell? Benjamin Raspell. Um, he'll come back, actually, in Red Dragon. Um, he is, I think he was the flautist that Dr. Electric killed for being playing out of tune con- continually. What's during a flautist? Someone who plays the flute. Okay, flutist. Flautist. Oh, I play the flout. <laughs> I play the flute. <laughs> that work got stuck. <laughs> I play the flute and it's called flautist. <laughs> okay. And then I, he fed him to the rest of the orchestra. Ah, okay. Well, I guess we'll get into that in another one. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, quit Broco and all this other stuff. Um, he was told, Clary's told uh, Lecter about the moth, and then he goes into the whole moth is changing and all, of the, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And how it goes Chris, Chris to whatever the life cycle of the moth is. Pupa and then moth, I think. Yeah. Cater- you forgot the caterpillar thing. Yeah. Trust me, I'll talk about caterpillars and chrysalis later on. Okay. That will come back. but during this whole quid pro quo thing doing this when Lecter's doing the psych profile I noticed that Lecter would face her when talking about uh, Billy what or what he who he refers to as Billy when and when answering questions about him being focused on her about it but when he was talking or asking questions about her past life and everything, it was more like uh, he would look away and his face would be shadowed, like he was having two different personalities going on at that time. Hmm, interesting. I've noticed that, but I just never quite could figure out how quite to interpret that one. So It's like he's having, he's having two different conversations in his head, and, and one's focused on Billy, one's focused on her, but at the same point, which one's supposed to be the more interested one? The more interested? Um, because when he's talking to Clarice, they show his face shadowed, basically. Yeah. He turns away and, and is facing straight, basically, into the side of the cell where mm-hmm. he's at. And, and so his face shadowed because of that. And so does that mean, is this his darker desire coming out, trying to get into her head? Oh, most likely, yeah. Now I see and, where you're at. Okay. And and basically trying to get into her. Yeah. And then you got, when he's talking about Billy, he's facing her, so the light from the hallway is on his face, he's lit up. Um, is he trying to show off his genius, saying, I'm, I, I'm, this is how good I am, listen to me, talk about this guy, like I know everything. Well, he is pretty genius. Um, I will give him that. Um, to me, it seems like 
the psychiatrist side is the one that is trying to help her out with the profile of, oh, say, Buffalo Bill. And when he turns away from her, it is his, quote-unquote, dark side, or to quote Dexter Morgan, his dark passenger, um, that is uh, coming out to play, basically. Okay. So which one did you find more interesting, though? (laughs) You know me, honey. It's always going to be the dark side. Okay. But during all this, uh, Hannibal, he loves his anagrams. He, he, he likes to try to screw with people with his anagrams because he, he told them that, oh, Buffalo's real name is Lewis Freed, or friend, ends up being uh, whatever the proper term is for pite right, fool's gold. Yes. And uh, telling him how Bill coveted being a girl and because he was hurt as a kid and everything. No one ever accepted him. Derek's being a little bit too. I'm doing a lot of talking here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't really know much about Lecter and the anagrams thing. This is the only one in which that kind of shows up in. And No, no. Miss Moff Scratch too. Well, Silence of the Lambs is the only one I hear of Lecter oh. using the anagrams. Okay, that's what you mean. So... <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to expand on the anagrams part. Um, do they use them in the book? Yes, they do. I think it might be everything he says is being recorded, and if he bluntly states, you know, this is who Buffalo Bill is to Clarice, one Mr. Dr. Chilton's going to come out with all the information and Clarice is not going to get anything. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, his cell's always going to be having audio recording stuff because of who and what he is. Yes, but at a certain point, there is still a level of privacy that should have been allowed when talking to your lawyer or talking to, I think, investigators. Your psychologist does have to give you that privacy. Yeah, I can understand because of the whole privileged information. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Chilton was not allowing him to have that privacy. Mm-hmm. Well, and. I'd, Dr. Lecter would have known that. Yeah, and back then it, they didn't consider it such a big deal because they didn't really have the internet like we do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but during this whole interview, Clarice was given a fake pardon or deal, not pardon, a fake deal to give to Lecter by her uh, supervisor. And uh, there's another anagram in that also. Ended up being Anthrax Island instead of Plum Island. I never got that one. Yeah, because the whole animal <laughs> testing site. Okay. It's The offbeat name was Anthrax Island. Oh, okay. And that's why De- that's why Lecter said Anthrax Island. That was a nice touch. Yeah, I thought that was just Dr. Lecter being Dr. Lecter. No, no, no. <laughs> he was talking about Plum Island. Okay. At that time. But um, somehow or another, Chilton got a, got wind of this whole deal thing. Yep. Got t- got in touch with the senator, and stuff blew up. Yep. And Chilton was able to come in and make his own deal with him. With who? Doctor Lecter. No, he made a deal with the senator. 
via Chilton, though. It was all his arranging and whatnot yeah, that got Ch him the real deal, so to speak. Chilton was making his own deal. Yeah. And he, he didn't make it with Dr. Lecter. He made it with the senator. Yeah. And basically, uh, he, here, he, here's what we want to do. And, of course, he had to add in, like he told Clarice, he added in some stuff for his own personal benefit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those were, by chance? No, I cannot remember right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to watch the movie to find out. <laughs> but they ended up moving him to this hotel? Uh, courthouse. 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 It was a courthouse? Okay. Yep. I thought it was some type of auditorium, because the way that they had that stage. Yes. Um, it looks like an old gym. Yeah, well, most courthouses, the old courthouses, once all the seats and everything are out, they lo almost look like ballrooms at times. Yeah. And um, that's what the room was. Yeah. One of the little details I noticed, uh, they used barb barbed wire on the top of their fences inside the auditorium instead of razor wire. Mm. Okay. I would never catch that difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he got moved to this... New, fa new facility, not near as high high security as the other one it was, even yeah. though they tried and failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horribly. Okay. So, eventually, Clary shows up there to give some to give his drawings back to him that, they're, that they stripped away from him at the uh, sanitarium because of not following what he did to Miggs. Oh yeah, he he basically talked to Miggs, Miggs into swallowing his own tub in the movie. Yep. Because he uh, jerked off into his hand, and threw it at Clarice. Yep. Good for you, Lecter. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I noticed in that pile of drawings, as she's rolling them back up. To after the police inspect them, mm. that there was a picture of her in them. Yes. When did he have time to do that? Um, I think that... During the first two meetings? Yeah, one of the first two meetings, or um, that actually shows up after he orders his second meal and everything, after the conversation with Clarice. So he may... No, he's, uh, but I saw that, that picture... Before she took it to him, I didn't see it before she took it I to him. I saw the uh, one of Florence, and I'm still trying to pause the screen to get a view of some of his other artwork. His other his Dr. Lecter's artwork is fantastic. If we can ever find a way to really look some of that stuff up, um, some of the artwork he does is beautiful. But yeah, it was Clarice with the lamb. And I didn't see another lamb. Yeah, it was her holding a lamb, so it had to happen after the story of... Because I saw a of, face, oh. just a face. Yeah. J j it was basically from the collarbone area up? Yep, but she was holding a lamb in it. Okay. Uh, speaking of lambs, so the title, Sil Silence of the Lambs. I still don't get it. <laughs> okay, you know her story that she yeah. told about trying to have the lambs escape because their screaming woke them up. Her up. Her up. And they've... she always was hearing it. Okay, hold on a minute. Alright, uh, basically the story is that uh, after mm -hmm. her, uh, her her mother died 
day school and she was still a young child and then her, her dad was shot. So she had to go stay with some cousins for, and she was there for two months. And uh, a noise woke her up and it was the uh, spring, spring slaughter for the lambs at this time. Yep. Okay. And that was the screaming she was hearing and it always haunted her, the sound of the screaming. And basically, as Lecter even said, she's hoping that rescuing Catherine Martin will help her quiet the sound of the screaming that she hears of the lambs. So the silence of the lambs. Okay. But they end up, uh, she ends up getting, uh, talking to Lecter at this new place. Mm-hmm. And what were they talking about? Um, the lambs. <laughs> okay. That was that, the largest chunk of that scene, because he didn't really give her any more information other than you have all the information you need to catch Buffalo Bill. And had, and she ends up being caught, because she wasn't supposed to be there. Yep. And so the police finally caught, out, caught on to what was going on, and Chilton comes in too, and they end up trying to drag her out. And she grabs her case file from Lecter at that time. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing to mention, though. Before they transferred him, uh, Chilton accidentally left a pen within grasping range of Lecter in his mm-hmm. cell. Yep. <laughs> so, that's the main thing for that helped him in his escape. Yep. In the book, he had been collecting various things to pick that lock for years. Because various other people had accidentally left something. And, I mean, it's really easy to just kind of overlook something. And he takes every opportunity he can get. Okay. In the book, what what are some examples? I think a paperclip was one of them. Um, Chilton's pen. That actually happened in the book a lot sooner, like years sooner. Okay. So. Uh, so, why would they say staples? You can't really pick a lock with that. You try, you, you try bending one of those, it's like broken in half almost right away. Uh, you can do a lot with staple. I've punctured myself really good a few times with staples. Um. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, let's talk about Lecter's escape. Okay. So, Oh, before he escapes, he is listening to a song in there called Aria from a Goldberg variation. This movie is the first one to use that for Lecter, and it will continue to be used as Dr. Lecter's main theme from here on out. From... Bach. Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay, but you're talking about the, the movies themselves? or does Yeah, the movies, the movies and the TV show use it as his theme. So the... The TV series Hannibal actually uses it, too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Lecter's escape. So, they bring in a second dinner for him. Yeah. Lamb chops. <laughs> Rare. Because, <laughs> yeah. So, they end up cuffing him up. He uh, slips out his little lockpick doohickey pen thing. Yep. And he gets free. Beats one guard to death. Bites the other one. Yummy. And Really fake blood. 
Yes, very fake. Oh my, oh my God. gosh. <laughs> it was so fake. It's like, is that cherry Kool-Aid fruit punch? <laughs> Back then, yeah. It's a 30-year-old movie. <laughs> I know, but still. It distracts. But still. Back then, what do you expect? <laughs> Nowadays, we got CGI, and, and we know that blood should have been darker, and there are all this other stuff. You would think that humans would know blood should be darker since, I don't know, humans have been able to bleed. Well, same point. It's supposed to be a horror, yeah, it's supposed to be a lot of blood, but I don't think they want it to be too realistic and really scare people. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 30-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might have been too improper, but they did a good job. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, and he ends up shooting that guard. Okay, now his escape ends up ripping off one of the guards mat faces and puts it on his face and pretends like he's the dead guard. Yep. Or not dead, but wounded in this case. Yep. Uh, what else about the escape that struck you? Besides the distracting um, blood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just the intensity. I remember when I first watched it, the intensity of the whole scene. Because I was a lot younger and whatnot. And one of my first horror movies just being all, you know, <sighs> one of those grabbing a hold of something, nervousness, intense, <laughs> really into it. Of the the police trying to wait for that elevator. Is it Dr. Lecter? Is it not him? And all that kind of stuff. Well, why do you go up to the fifth floor anyways? Time, maybe? What do you mean by time? Give them extra time to do it? Because throw went, them off? Because it went to the fifth floor and then it went back down to the third floor where he was, I think, staying at. Yeah. So why would that be? I know he had to get the body up to the top of the elevator somehow, but what would be going up to the fifth floor mean, though? I have no clue. Oh, well. Um, so, Lecter escapes. Ends up into the ambulance, getting away scot-free, killing the, cr the ambulance crew. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Did they mention anything, anything about him eating any of the ambulance crew? No. Just that they were dead? Just that they were dead. Okay. So after that, Clarice makes a breakthrough on the case. Yep. Uh, she's in Baltimore at that time. She finally realizes that she did have the information that she needed, that one of the first victim, victims, Frederick Rimmel, is, was someone who knew Buffalo Bill. Mm -hmm. And that is what leads her to the the, the town and who to talk to to get information. Because Buffalo actually weighted down his first victim so he could look at her, basically. Or look at or look at the scene where he dumped her at and know that she was there and that he was she was his first. Yep. And the other three girls, he just dumped them in the river and let them float away? Yep. Okay. So... During that scene when she was telling uh, Jack, her supervisor, where she was at and everything, uh, we find him on a C-130. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fine. okay. <laughs> That's what the aircraft is, it's the C-130 aircraft. 
this is where your expert information comes in, <laughs> and mine goes out to nothing. <laughs> it's a C-130 military aircraft. Okay. Um, and he's going to this place where uh, they got a hit of these death head moths being tra- being delivered to a mm. house. Yep. And um, and he's like, oh, we got this lead and everything else, and and didn't inform Clarice about it at all because he didn't really want her in on this. Looks like still. Uh, because was, to me, it looked like he was still trying to take all the credit. It's also the fact that she is a student and is missing classes for a lot of this stuff and that will affect her ability to graduate. At the end of the movie, she does eventually graduate. She does, yes, but they had to actually make a lot of leeway for her because of it and stuff that normally is not done. So part of that is also going to be just the logistics of that. Okay. So she actually stumbles across... Buffalo Bill. Yep. Uh, what was his real name in the movie? James Gum. James Gum. Okay. So, she ends up finding his house, going in there, talking to him, and through it all, she sees the moth in the house. And at that moment, she knew what she was dealing with. Yep. And you see the fear and the sudden realization in her in her face. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that gets me is, though... Granted, she is a student. It's her first shootout. Why did she hesitate shooting him when she pulled his gun? When when she pulled her gun? I have no idea. And that's the only thing I can think of is that, yes, any normal person in the beginning or for their first time pulling a gun on even a known serial killer and shooting him, is it's going to... You're going to question it. Yeah. Um, And I think he hadn't had any weapons on her either yet. What? He didn't have any weapons on her? When when they were still um, on the first floor, when she uncocks her gun, he didn't have any weapons on her, so there was no reason to pull out your gun. He didn't have any weapons on him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't aiming a gun at her. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they end up downstairs in the basement. Damn, that's a big basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm it. like, how big is this basement that he has? <laughs> and it's by a river area. Uh, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> It's like room after room. And it's like, what the heck? And there's a well inside a basement, even though they're on a river river floodplain area. <laughs> and it's like, we live by a river area. Granted, we're up on the, on top of the hill embankment area, about a mile away, half a mile, mile away from the river itself. And I don't see how they can do that without getting and hitting the... the uh, the, the groundwater area. Yeah, I have no idea, but I have no desire to try to build an underground well in our basement either. Well, it was so. old, and it was probably abandoned, and uh, the house was built over it instead of them demolishing it properly and getting rid of it. Yeah. It was probably an old house well that dried up and before they uh, connected the city lines to it. Yeah. But, yeah, that was just a huge basement. 
Now, the only... I didn't really like this part of the movie because Clarice, the actor, um, it was so overdramatic when she was doing her search. It, it was just overdone. Panic? <laughs> yeah, but it looked too forced. I just didn't like that scene too much. It was okay. just like waving the gun around and all this other stuff. Granted, it was dark. She couldn't see for half the uh, scene. But still. So she ended up uh, hearing the uh, James Gunn's gun cocking. I don't know why he did that. It was you could have he could have pulled the trigger without giving his sound away. He he, he he's smart enough to do all the other stuff. He should have known that. Yeah, I have no idea. I wouldn't have caught something like that. It was probably overconfidence. Maybe. Because you don't have to cock a revolver to shoot it. It's just pull the trigger. Okay. Um, so she he she ends up shooting him. Yep. Now my question is. If she shoots, if fires a gun, is there any sort of light or anything like that that would have affected those night vision goggles? Yeah, That's one of my questions and how there. accurate that was. Yeah. Okay. Especially the old gens that they uh, were using in this movie, it would definitely have affected it. Okay. It would have flash blinded the. Uh, it it wouldn't. It would have overloaded the goggles. Basically, it just wipes out the screen and uh, they won't be able to see through it. Okay. Um, so, case closed. They get their they, they get their guy. They get the girl out of the pit. And she ends up bonding with the dog in the process of threatening to kill the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Dog didn't do anything wrong. True. Just barked annoyingly a lot. Yeah. Basically, a dog was a dog. I know. <laughs> so, after everything, she graduates. Yep. She get, And we are at the graduation party. She gets a phone call. Mm. <laughs> Who is it? Dr. Lecter. Calling to congratulate her and wondering if the lambs have been silenced. And also informing her that he is having an old friend for dinner. And that friend seems to be his nemesis, Dr. Chilton. Did Lecter ever call on his nemesis? Uh, in the book, I think he did. And it is mentioned in other things numerous times. So so why was he considered a nemesis? Because he enjoyed... Basically, taunting Lecter? taunting Lecter, yeah, and not being very good at it, I think. Well, yeah, somebody with that type of personality, <laughs> he's a little man trying to act like a big fish because he's got this high-profile prisoner underneath his care. Yeah. And just, he's just downright annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and good job to Anthony Held, who played Dr. Chilton. He did really good at being very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 
where were they at? Or Dr. Chilton was underneath protective custody because Lecter has escaped, and of course Chilton was worried about his safety. It seemed like they're in some type of tropical island. I think it was Bimini, if I remember right, which is just barely uh, closer to Cuba and Florida, kind of in between. Sonic. I don't. I my map isn't right. Um, it's Bimini, but I don't know where Bimini Bimini is. It's okay. in that kind of Caribbean area. Was it part of the U.S. territories? No. Then how was he in protective custody? U.S. protective custody in Bimini. I don't know. It could have been personal protective custody. You can always hire people to do that too. Could have been, but it looked like more like there are more federal agents. So. I don't know. I didn't look into Bimini. Bimini. I can't even say that one. Bimini a lot. Okay. And that's where this movie ends up at. Yep. So, yay. Uh, I did a lot of talking. Next time you do all the talking. Oh, believe me. If When you get into some of the other ones, I will be probably talking your ear off. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Um, so, after this one, we plan on doing Hannibal? Yes. Hannibal, okay. The movie Hannibal. Um, TV series. Yeah. Not this time. (laughs) Oh, no. And anything special about that one we should look out for? (sighs) (laughs) The... We will be. I will be discussing the very controversial ending of the book for Hannibal that was changed drastically for the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, thank you for the time for listening to us, and I hope you have a great night. Thank you.